0: You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Uh, so so uh, we've been going through getting ready for Christmas and, and doing Advent and following the other churches all around the world and, and talking about the things that, that they're talking about. And this week I knew that I was going to be speaking on love, right? Love. Like, can you think of a more broad topic for a Sunday and how to cover it. And so, I, you know, I was, I was just, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to teach on. And uh, Kit had this idea with our kids of, uh, she's trying to come up with some way to deal with that, how absolutely selfish they are at Christmas. And she had this idea of, you know, the, the elf is going to come, but not the elf that you know. It's a different elf. And the elf is going to come with a mission for the kids to go and do something. And so the elf came last Sunday with the mission to tell the kids that they had to go and find five people to show God's love to. That they had to do something to show, you know, God's love to them. And as I was, you know, talking with the kids and thinking about that, that's challenging. That's a real challenge to not just show love, but to show God's love, to show love the way that God shows love. So that's what I started thinking about, is what can we talk about as a church in in the challenge of showing love the way that God shows love? And so it led me to this passage that we're going to read together, and it's from 1 John. So We've been going through the Gospel of John before we started Advent. This is the same author who wrote the Gospels and he's writing a letter to a church and he's trying to give them characteristics of the true, mature church. If you want to judge a church, these are the things that you should be looking at to find out if this church is true, if it represents the true gospel of Christ. And one of the characteristics that he chooses is the love, the love of God and how it's expressed in the church. And so as we go through this, I would encourage you, uh, because we're not going to have near as much time. This is a great verse to go through for Christmas. This is a great verse for you in your, in your time that you're going to spend with the Lord preparing. Um, read this. There's so much to it. It's 1 John, starting in, in uh, verse 9 of chapter 4. And what I'm going to do is just go through the whole passage, and then we'll see which, ones, which parts we can talk about together. Okay, 1 John, starting in verse 9. This Holy Spirit, come this morning, we pray, and speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would pick from this passage uh, the things that you are doing in our lives as a church and as individuals. Speak to us. Lead us into truth. Empower us to be different, to be changed, to love people with the love that you have shown us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, verse 9. This is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. What does this tell us about God's love? What does this tell us when we're going to try and love people the way that God has loved us? What does this verse tell us? That God's love is incarnational. That, and that's a big word that just means that God's love, that he comes alongside of us, that he doesn't do it from a distance. God's love is incarnational, that he enters into relationship with us. He doesn't do it from far away. God's love is incarnational. Remember the angels come and they say, we're going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. God expresses his love in a way that's, that's alongside of us, that he enters into our suffering, into our dirtiness, right? Literally born in a manger, which sounds, you know, special, but really it's just a feeding trough for animals, Right? God enters into the dirtiness of our lives, whether we're needy and helpless and failing or unloving and unforgiving. He enters into that place. So how do we express a love that is incarnational? We receive it first. We receive that God has come into our life wherever we are, and then we offer it. We enter into the lives of others. This is one thing that we really strive for at River City Church is to try and figure out how we can minister in a way that's incarnational, that we're, that we're entering into the lives of others, that we're entering into their messiness, their dirtiness, that we don't run away, that we don't do it from afar. And so we, as we try to express love, how can we do that? How can we minister in a way where, where we're incarnational, where we're getting into people's lives? Sometimes it's so much easier to just give money, Right? And, and, and do it from a distance. Just give money and yeah, good luck with that. But, but that's not necessarily incarnational. If we're not coming alongside of it to figure out, well, what, what is the problem that we're trying to solve? How can, how can I enter into this with you and help be a part of the solution? That's a way that we would express God's love. Okay, in the incarnational, let's go to verse 10. I promise we're not going to do every verse. Verse 10 this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Atoning sacrifice for our sin, just meaning the way that Eugene Peterson would say it in the message, is that Jesus came and, and he cleared away our sins, the damage that we've done to our relationship with the Father. God made up the difference. He atoned for us. God's love, what do we see in this verse? Is sacrificial. That God's sacrifice, when we see eight-pound baby Jesus, and we think, oh, peaceful, sweet little Jesus. It's easy to forget the sacrifice, the sacrifice involved in that, in that very picture. You see Jesus, the Son of God, the Eternal One, who's been with God the Father from the very beginning, leaves heaven and is born in a manger as a human. Even if he was born as a human child of a king, it's still a, a big sacrifice, Paul would describe it differently, right? He would say that that he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. He sacrificed something that we can't even fathom to demonstrate his love for us. We see that in here. So how do we express a love that is sacrificial? First, we receive it. We recognize the sacrifice that Jesus has given for us, and then we offer it. To love the way that God loves will cost us something, something precious. I told you, you know, we did this with the kids last week. And so one of the things was that they had to show love, you know, to find five people to do it. And so they they all picked their friends that were going to be at church that day. And then they went and they grabbed a toy that they didn't like anymore (laughs) to bring to church. And so last week, I'm sorry if your kid came home with a, a toy from a Rossi kid, And you're like, why did they do this? That's why it happened. But what was interesting was the kids went and they what did they pick? The toy they didn't care about. If you're gonna love the way that God has loved us, you would go and pick the most precious toy you have. You would pick the most precious thing in the world because God's love is sacrificial. If we're gonna express God's love, it will cost us something. There will be a sense of loss to love the way that God has loved us. whether it's loving our neighbors, our spouse, anyone who God is calling us to show love to, it will cost us something if we're going to love that way. Verse 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. God's love is compelling. God's love is compelling. If you look at that, what's interesting is it says that since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It doesn't say, for God so loved us that we should love him back. Isn't that weird? God so loved us that we ought to love one another, not that we ought to love him back. He compels us. God's love compels us to do what? To love other people. To love other people. God's love being the source. The picture that Antley had earlier of the spirit and how we receive the spirit And it's like a river and then it flows out through us. That's the picture that we're seeing here. That's the picture that we see here because what happens is his love is made complete in us or in some translations, perfect. The idea is love meets its its eventual fulfillment. When? When it comes through us and then to tangible people, to real people that we would express that love. That's how his love is made complete. Love for God shows itself in that. Genuine love cannot be exhibited in any community unless it reflects God's love, unless it is empowered by an experience of being loved. That's a, that's, that, uh, that's a hard concept to talk about in 30 seconds. But consider this, for you to love another person the way that God has loved you will require that you first receive his love. That's genuine. If you're going to love someone genuine, you have to first receive that love from him. Then that will be the source. That's what John is getting at. Then that will be the source of you loving one another. And so when you say, I don't want to love these other people, you don't know these people, the last thing I want to do is love them. Well, I would say you need to experience more of God's love so that he can flow through you to love those people. Then we can offer it. That's a love that's compelling. People should see something different in us. It should compel them, right? Jesus would say that it's like a city on a hill. We should be different. We should be different in the way that we love that people go and say, look at that. Look at that. It's like a city on a hill. How can you miss it? It's huge. The way that these people love is different. It's compelling. It draws me in. It makes me want to go and love other people the way that they do. Verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Remember, John is trying to help the church because they've got some false teachers and they've got some crazy stuff going on. And so he's telling them, this is what spiritual maturity looks like. This is how you can judge whether or not they're receiving the truth of God. And he's talking about love. And he says that this is how it's made complete among you, that you'll have confidence and you will become more like Jesus. God's love is transformational. God's love is transformational. If we trust in him, he makes his home in us, that his spirit lives in us. So so it changes us. God's love changes who we are. We begin to become like Jesus, loving people the way that he does, living holy, set apart from our sin. A righteousness that comes not from ourselves, but comes from him loving us. God's love is transformational. It changes us. It's active. It's redeeming in its quality and how he loves us. God loves us where we are. We've seen that incarnationally, that he loves us where we are. But he also, he loves us too much to just leave us there. He wants us to change. He wants us to become more like Jesus. And his love does that by his spirit being poured out in us and changing us. So how do we express a love that's transformational? We receive it. We receive it first. First. We trust in him more. We trust that we can be transformed and we allow his spirit to make us more like him. And then we offer it. We offer love in the same transforming way. I was trying to think of like concrete examples. Like how do you love someone in a transforming way? I don't think you should give somebody a gym membership. Like that's probably not, but somehow we should love people in a way that makes them want to change, that makes them want to be transformed, that makes them want to be more like Jesus. I don't know what that looks like, but I know that it's balancing truth and grace of who Christ is. We love people in a way that encourages change and transformation. Not just accepting things as they are, but loving people for a change. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. There is no fear in God's love. God's love is undeserved. God's love is undeserved. He loved us first, right? Paul would say that while we were yet sinners, while we were still stuck in the muck and the dirt of our lives, God expressed his love for us in Christ. He loved us first. And because it's undeserved, there's nothing to fear. You can't fear that I'm going to do something wrong. You already did stuff wrong and he already came, right? That that when you accept this perfect love, that it drives out fear. There's no fear of punishment. Punishment would imply that I have something to do with it, that it wasn't a gift from him, but instead it comes from him. Our love is a response from God's love. God pours out his love on us and we respond to it. We don't initiate it. He doesn't love us because we first loved him. It's the other way around, it's not the basis for his love for us and so the degree that we trust in that we are free we are free from the fear of punishment so how do we express a love that is undeserved how do we express that first we receive it we receive it christmas is a time for us to remember that we haven't earned it that we can't lose it we trust in jesus and his promise never to leave us so that he could drive out all fear And then here's the hard part. We offer a love that is undeserved, right? God showed us a love that is undeserved and now we show a love that is undeserved. And this is hard because it's a dangerous time of year, especially as a parent, right? Because we have things like, you better watch out, you better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why. I can't sing. He's making a list, he's checking it twice, He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. He sees you when you're sleeping. (laughs) We put the fear of God in our kids at Christmas. (laughs) Right? God's love to us is totally undeserved. God gives it to us in spite of knowing what happens when we're sleeping. How scary. Mary Madagascar. Mary Madagascar called Santa Claus. Aren't there any kids in here? No. Red Knight... The Red Knight Goblin. <laughs> El Diablo. I would love that, <laughs> that picture Be- because that's, it's, a li- it's a lie. It's a lie that Christmas is somehow dependent on you. It's somehow dependent on your being on the nice list. And we've all been there, right? I, I hope we've all been there. I, I trust in that only because my kids, it can get so bad right? Your little spy Nazi thing, your elf, can't even keep track of all the deeds that are being done to go and report to Santa, right? It's like the the Clark Griswold four alarm holiday emergency. Your kids are so off the charts selfish. And finally you get to the point where you're like, we're going to cancel Christmas. You heard it kids. We're going to cancel Christmas, right? That's the danger. That's the danger that we fall into. But God loved us first, In spite of ourselves, you can't stop Christmas. There is no naughty list. Or more appropriately, there is a naughty list and we're all on it. And he still came, right? We offer it. We shouldn't just love those people that love us back. Jesus says, even the pagans do that. Even the people that don't know me do that. They love anybody that loves them but we are called differently. We're called to show the love that God showed us, which is totally undeserved. We're supposed to find people, right? He even says, find your enemy, love them. Those who persecute you, love them. Why? Because that's the way I loved you. That's how we we express that love. Imagine that conversation with your kids. Okay, kids, we're gonna love people the way that God loves us. So take a treasure, take your most prized possession, wrap it up, And let's think of someone who doesn't deserve it. Let's think of that person that persecutes you. Who's that bully at school? Put his name on that treasure that you just wrapped up. Oh, and by the way, when you give it to them, they may not even open it. They may just throw it right in the trash. Or they may take it and just punch you in the face. (laughs) Right? Now, where the rubber hits the road, now we're loving in a way that's sacrificial we're loving in a way that really represents the love that i'm not saying go do that i'm just saying if we really are going to apply it i'm pointing out the challenge of how we do that so this morning i I just i wanted to, to challenge us in this time of gift giving and contemplating and how we love people and how we appreciate um christmas how can we apply god's love in the way that we love other people so let's stand and let's pray Jesus, we pray that you would come this morning, that your spirit would remind us of the love that you have shown to us, that you would drive away all fear and move us to trust you. Move us this morning to trust you more. Empower us with your spirit. Empower us to be transformed, to love each other in a way that we could never do on our own. We could only do it by your spirit. Come this morning, Jesus, we pray.